back. This is like doing a morning show. Every day you got to do a new episode. Uh, there's one thing I did not tell you guys yesterday when we were talking about RHAs as we were as we were kind of chatting through it. And that is, I believe the agency's position on this rule. And I, I believe this wholeheartedly that their intention is that this rule is protective of hunters. Uh, and I believe that their intentions are good and true and noble in that in that statement. I just believe as a hunter, as Travis, and this is my belief, okay? You guys don't have to agree with me. In fact, we like it when folks don't agree with us. That's okay. That's how we get to better places is having good disagreements. But I don't believe this rule does enough to protect hunting long-term on public water bodies. So you're going to hear me talk a lot about uh, my position. I think where we're at, things like that. I just wanted to, I, I want to make sure up front I say, I appreciate where the agency's at on this. I appreciate what the agency is trying to do and how they think this is going to work. I just happen to strongly disagree with their assessment of it. And hopefully over the next few days, I can unpack why I believe what I believe about it. And uh, we can we can work together and, and come to some sort of better agreement and, and hopefully better protections for the hunting community long term. So the first thing I want to camp out on day, day uh, two of this series is the... I titled it on my whiteboard, where is the data? So in the last couple of weeks, I've been privileged enough to be able to meet with a couple of the FWC commissioners. As I mentioned yesterday, those are the trustees. So let's let's roll back just a, just a hair here. In, in the world of conservation and hunting and fishing, we have this thing called the public trust. We actually did a whole episode on public trust one time. Public trust is the idea that we the people own certain things. We own the water. We own the wildlife. And and, and the who who is going to manage those things we own? And so we have us as the beneficiary of the trust. The trust being wildlife or or public lands or public waters in this case. We have the trust managers, which are the staff of FWC. Um, that, that's your hunting and game management people, your habitat and species conservation people, your fisheries people, freshwater, saltwater. Uh, those are the trust managers. And then we have the uh, trustees, which are the board of directors, the the commissioners in our case. And so we, we have a, a number of trustees in the state of Florida. And um, I have been privileged enough to be able to meet with a couple of them to discuss this rule. And through those conversations, one of the things, and this is a conversation that came up uh, almost a year and a half back or a year back with um, Cyrus Baird from Safari Club International, who mentioned to me uh, when we first started talking about this rule, he, he said, you know, this sounds like a solution in search of a problem. So let me unpack what he meant when he said that. As we look at this rule, as we talk about this rule, the first question I always ask is, why do we need this rule? What, what, what is the impetus for us to have this rule? Why do we need restricted hunting areas? Like it's, it's a little bit baffling to me that we, we have an agency entrusted with hunting and why are they restricting hunting someplace? And that's not really a fair thing for me to say because the agency is empowered by the constitution to allow or restrict hunting. That's, that's kind of their whole, it's not their whole thing because it's worded around conservation, fisheries and wildlife and game and resources, but they're allowed to empower or restrict hunting. So they can be restrictive of hunting. That's, they can do that. Um, 
the question then becomes, well, well, why would you do that? Well, I think that's also a fair question. Um, if you had a number of people out there shooting ducks, and, and we'll talk quite a bit about shooting ducks in this because this is really about duck hunting on public lakes. That's what RHAs boils down to. It's about duck hunting on public water bodies. So let's say um, that you had a bunch of people shooting ducks and they were shooting out dock lights. They were damaging boats. They were damaging docks. They were damaging property, shooting out windows, shooting out screens, shooting out things like that. And it was happening in a concentrated area. Um, I think the agency, that's that's kind of how they exist and why they exist, is empowered to go to that area and look at it and say, you know, um, we're not going to allow hunting here anymore because you guys can't get your act together. You can't, you can't behave appropriately with what we're, what we're allowing you to behave with. So we're going to put some restrictions around this thing. I want to be very clear. Um, that hasn't happened. That doesn't happen. There is, there is, uh, so I've, I've made a public records request at the time of this recording. I don't have it, but made a public rec- records request asking for the number of incidences where a waterfowler has shot someone's property. Okay. So the, the idea of the RHA rule is about the perception of safety. That is, that is what we are told pretty often. This is about the perception of safety. This is not about safety because no one has shot things out. Um, allegedly this, this is what I've gathered over my billion phone calls about this and discussions about this on Hunter's Lake which is a restricted hunting area now, the the canals. In one of those canals, someone shot at, I I guess there's black belly whistling ducks in these canals. I've never been in these canals. I've been on Hunter's Lake, but I've never been in these canals. Someone shot a screen on a pool out. And allegedly it was someone that was trying to hunt black belly whistling ducks. I don't have any case files on that. That is second, third hand information that I have gotten from someone that works for the agency, but their statement is someone shot out a pool screen. So, okay, that's, that's bad. Obviously no one should be shooting out people's property, but a thing that we talk about quite a bit on the show, we've talked about, about quite a bit. And I should have set this in the, in the baseline episode is a uh, Florida statute 790.15, which prohibits you from shooting someone else's property. It makes it illegal to shoot someone else's property. So it's, it's the gun rule, discharge rule. I don't have it in front of me, but the way it reads is any discharge on property is safe as long as you have permission to discharge there or public and you have permission to discharge there. And the discharge does not, does not pose foreseeable risk to life, limb, or property. So right there, if someone shot the pool screen out, they could be found the, the reason that they shot the full screen out and would get arrested or cited or whatever would be under 790.15. There, there's a Florida statute that reflects that. Okay. Where are the other incidences of this occurring? The other story that I hear is in Santa Rosa sound, which is up in the panhandle. And if I'm trying to describe Santa Rosa sound to you, think of a, uh, Think of, a, think, think of the panhandle of Florida and you've got a barrier island. And then north of the barrier island, you have a, a fairly open bay, a very open bay that spans, you know, a mile, let's say. I don't know how wide it is. And then on the north end of that, you have the shoreline of the mainland, 
which is developed very much with houses. Um, those houses are all very nice houses. Some of them are older, but they, they all have docks. And folks walk in at Santa Rosa Sound to duck hunt. So there are complaints that people have used docks as blinds, meaning they set under the docks to hunt. And there are complaints that people are walking under docks with guns to get where they are hunting. This is a sticky one for me. And, and this is, again, my math, my perspective, my opinion on this. But FWC does not permit docks. That's not their, that's not their bailiwick. They don't do that. DEP permits that. Um, there's a term you guys will hear me throw it around occasionally. It's called riparian rights. And riparian rights are the rights of homeowners that border public waters. So in other words, if you're a landowner and you, and you border public waters, you are given the right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say this a little bit wrong because I'm not a lawyer. You're given the right to wharf, build a dock to a wharf to, to be able to wharf your boat. And what they mean by that is, um, you can build a dock that goes out so that you can bring your duck, your boat, your boat up and get out of it and then walk on the dock to get back to your land. So you, your, 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 uh, your dock can extend out to essentially navigable water. Um, if the navigable water is 10 yards off the shore, that's how far out your dock can go. If it's hundred yards off the shore, that's how far out your dock can go. I'm sure there's limitations based county wise and DEP wise and everything else, but that's, it's kind of the theory around how riparian rights work. So you're permitted to put a dock there. You have to go pull permits and get permission and everything else to do that. But that is a thing that you are given as a adjacent to public water body, adjacent to what we call SSL, submerged sovereign land. You you are you are permitted to put that dock there. So he, here's where it gets sticky for me is take any shoreline in the state of Florida um, that's a cattle pasture or whatever today. Today, you can hunt up to the, the mean high water mark, meaning if, if it floods and there's a, there's a mark up on the trees, you can, you can hunt basically up to this. I'm not saying you always should. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a hard, fast rule. You should quote me on that and fight it in court or anything else, but that's, that's generally speaking how it works. Um, in that case, if the, develop, if, the, if the cattle rancher I'm talking about were to sell his property to a developer and they came in there and put houses on it, those homeowners could now put docks where you hunt it. Um, that is the whole crux of this rule and the, and the issue that I kind of have with it personally is FWC is not in charge of development. They have no oversight of development. They can't say, hey, this lake is is an important waterfowling lake. So we understand that the developer owns land, but we're going to limit what they can do riparianly on this lake and, and because it's going to impact the enjoyment and the use of these hunters on this lake. All right. FWC has no jurisdiction over that. I just, I, I want to, I can't say that enough, be clear enough about that because you guys know I'm protective about the agency when they get blamed for things that they should not be blamed for. But that said, <laughs> they are also the agency, the only agency that is empowered to be the trustee of hunting and wildlife resources. So we're sitting at our little bit of a weird position here because Today I can hunt that spot, but tomorrow if someone builds a dock, I don't want to hunt it. Me, Travis, I don't want to hunt it. When I think of hunting, I think of a wild place. I think of being able to go, we nickname our places. I think of being able to go to the honey hole or the sticks or the the big asshole or, or going to the, 
to, to the, the honey pot is one we have these places that I've hunted with my friends and family and, and we go really remote and, and try to go find ducks in places that, that people aren't around because who wants to sit there and see a house or something while you're hunting. But a couple of things we had AJ DeRosa on a while back. Um, that was about a month ago. It was the last conversations we did. Uh, I think it's conversations 3.12 AJ DeRosa. It's really good. Listen, if you're looking for something fun to listen to AJ wrote a book called the urban deer complex, and it talks about deer hunting and at the time, deer hunting in Virginia, Pennsylvania, in urban settings, archery hunting for deer in urban settings. And in the interview, he even says, I think the book was a little ahead of its time. Now that's a lot more common, a lot more acceptable thing. That book's become a little bit of a cult classic. I see something similar kind of playing out in Florida in that today we all want to duck hunt in the wild Florida that we always duck hunted in. Uh, but if we look at the future of Florida, and the development that's coming and it's, it's coming fast y'all i mean every no one listening to this is is shaking their head in disagreement with me but look at a lake like okahumka traditionally a huge waterfowling lake very very good waterfowling lake hasn't been good the last few years but if no ducks come there's not much you can do about that but okahumka is going to be completely developed out lake toho is one of the greatest waterfowling lakes in the state historically um, i've killed probably 15 or 17 species of ducks on Lake Toho in my life. Huge lake, lots of submerged aquatic vegetation, lots of good marsh. Toho is going to be completely developed in the next 10 years. They're going to build out the whole perimeter of the lake. Now, we as old school duck hunters, boomers, whatever you want to call us, we'll get mad about that and say we'll go find someplace else to hunt. And that's fine. But I think we have to be have a really real conversation about what that looks like from an R3 standpoint, a recruit, reactivate, retain standpoint. Um, eventually, we may decide, hey, I like hunting Toho because it's close to home. It's 30 minutes away. I can go out there and hunt several times a year. It's easy. I may just stop hunting some. So we've, we've lost a, a retention candidate. From a recruitment standpoint, Lake Toho is an easy lake to get into hunting on when it, when the birds migrate, when we have a good migration year, when the big duck factory in the, in the, in the Midwest and, and Prairie Pothole, when it produces birds, Toho is a, a good lake. Um, the recruits, if there's houses everywhere, are going to come to that lake and not know what they can and can't do. And they may think nothing of hunting with a house in the background. Now, I struggle with that ethically. I struggle with that morally. But I also recognize that this is about does hunting exist or does hunting go away in lieu of development existing on these lakes? And I got news for you. I think I'm okay. And, and I'm saying this today and I'll reserve the right to change my line, mind way down the road. But I'm saying this today. I'm okay with hunting looking different in Florida in the future. And that may mean that urban duck hunting is a thing. And if we compromise on that today, we're not ever going to get it back. So. I want to go back to data. Where's the data? We have no incidences of people shooting houses or, or boats or property or anything else. We don't have some pile of data that says, yeah, this is happening 500 times a year and we really need to solve this role. We're looking to solve this problem before this problem even exists. Um, and this is a problem that is already covered by a gunfire rule, a gunfire statute in the state legislature 790.15. So we have truly what I opened up with a solution in search of a problem. We don't, we don't have to have this rule at all. 
Um, the agency is pretty insistent that we do have to have that rule. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more probably as the week unfolds, why we do or don't have to have a rule. Um, I don't like the idea of a rule. I think it's easier for us if there's no rule. I think it makes more sense if there's no rule. And I think the agency has tons of legal room to not have the rule at all. But if they're insistent on having the rule and the reason that they're having the rule and writing it the way they are is that we have no data to support what they're doing. I have some troubling um, concerns about the way the rule is written because I don't believe it provides long-term protections for waterfowling in the state in the face of increased development. So that's a lot to say. That's a lot going on there. But the end of the day, um, no data, no data driving this rule. So that's kind of where I'm at. Whew, that's day two of RHAs. I will be back tomorrow. And in the meantime, y'all stay woke.